Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Okay, let's get going here. All right, um, so today we're going to actually, whoops, that's the wrong thing. That doesn't sound supposed to look like that. No, stop. See that, that's behind the scenes, all this stuff. I, I, I have an error ring, that's the problem. So let's go to here. And where's the display? There it is. And we are going to not mirror the display, and everything changes. Excellent. Record. Okay, so, good stuff. So do you want to talk about what we're going to talk about until the end of March? <laughs> Uh, well, mostly. I mean, it, this is the beginning of yeah. no. <laughs> it, it, as 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 Winston Churchill said, this is not the beginning of the end. It is not even the. That's the other thing that he says. But perhaps it is the end of the beginning. Um, and that's basically what this is. It's now the end of the beginning. We're going to talk about analysis variance, which is really what this course is about. This is a and. Is this, today's important that you ask questions and get stuff. There will be times when I'll be some mathy stuff, don't worry too much about it, but I want you to understand this mostly on a conceptual level today. Um, we've talked about t-tests and z-tests, and they're to deal with differences with one or two groups. Uh, you actually can do z-tests with two groups, you never do, but it's, it's possible. It's the same logic as the t-test with two groups. And we hardly ever do z-tests. I think I told you I've done one in my career. Um, like for, you know, in anger, right? Um, what if we have more than two groups? Right. Well, there's a couple ways you could deal with this. Like, let's here's an example. You got we got a factor called a. This is this is a notation you see using all the time. The variable's called a. It's got three levels: a one, a two, and a three. And if I ask you if there's an effect of a, what I mean is, are any of those means different? As a changes, does the mean change? So these are just some numbers. Don't worry about what the numbers are. But we have three groups. We have three groups here instead of the, the regular two groups that we've talked about. Now, what could we do? Well, we could certainly do a bunch of t-tests. You could. You can compare one and two, two and three, and one and three. There's a problem, however. If you do that, your alpha level, you can't use 0.05 anymore. Getting use 0.05 divided by 3. It's not good. Well, it's okay, I guess, except that your power goes down. As we were just talking about last the class going to test, your power drops if your alpha level drops. And we don't want to drop the power that much. We don't want to go down to what would that be? 3, 5, uh, 0.16 or something. You wouldn't want to do that. That's crazy. So we want to figure out, the, these scores clearly vary. We can see this, even with this small sample size of three per group. These scores vary. The question you want to ask is why? Um, 
So what are, in fact, we then could say, what are the sources of variation? What are the sources of variation? Well, this first, the first thing that should occur to you is individual differences. Individual differences. Okay. We have a whole lot of tables where three people are sitting. Of course, we're going to do as an example, but we got one group here. And there. And uh, let's see, Carmen, you have a group, sorry. Okay. And <laughs> okay. you can sit in for, you can switch it to the group. It doesn't matter. I'm going to just use you guys all as an example. Okay. You guys good? Okay. So we got our three groups. Okay? Um, and we have, what's one of the reasons, and let's pretend that those were your scores. I don't even know what's being measured, so don't feel bad. Well, part of the reason that we have different scores is we have different people. Tom is different than Wendy on many levels. We can think of all kinds of things where Tom's different, but just say, he's Tom and she's Wendy. Those are two different people. Same group, even. Wendy's different from Jay. Same group. So individual differences is one reason the scores vary. The other reason, of course, is group differences. Now, I don't know what we're using to manipulate what we're trying to do to you guys. I don't know. Different amounts of... Uh, uh, let's see. Caffeine. What? Caffeine. Caffeine, that's not bad. Okay, let's go with that. No cups of coffee. Three cups of coffee before class. Five cups of coffee before class. Okay. A little shaky, a little shaky. Okay. okay. Don't worry, caffeine's pretty much safe. You can overdose on caffeine. You know how much caffeine you have to take? Once you overdose on caffeine, you have to drink 80 cups of coffee. And still, all it's going to do is make your heart beat really fast. Let's be unpleasant. Be unpleasant. Um, so we get the group. We get the group differences as well. We no coffee, three coffee, five coffee, right? Okay. So that's another reason the, the, the scores vary. Maybe, maybe I don't even know what we're measuring, but we, we're getting different amounts of coffee. So any score equals overall you're just humans. Any score just means being a person. Then there's the different levels of person that you are. There's the J level and there's the Ashley level. So there's a baseline thing of just being a human, plus there's the group differences in the individual differences. No coffee, three coffees, five coffees, and then the different levels of coffee. You see that? Does that make sense? That's why the scores vary. Any of those scores, so we can say, let's see, uh, how do we know making score? Well, there's an average score for a human, and then there's, she's in the three group, and she's making I wish it wouldn't flicker like that. Those of you enjoying the exciting YouTube video are not seeing the flicker, but we all are, and many of us are having epileptic seizures. <laughs> um, okay. Does it make sense? Okay. Or we could make it... Here's a nice way to write it. X equals mu, grand mean, plus tau, group differences, plus epsilon, individual differences. Tau for treatment... Going. <laughs> Epsilon for error. <coughs> so we can't actually 
we call it error all the time. It's error, but really error. It's not measurement error, is what I'm saying. It's leftover stuff. And the leftover stuff in this case is the individual differences. Okay? So x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon. Questions? It's good so far, right? This isn't that bad? Okay. We call that thing the structural model of analysis of variance. That's what it's called. And it says that x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon, that any score equals the grand mean plus treatment effects plus error. Any score equals the grand mean plus treatment effects plus error. And while these, this model is going to get way more complicated as the term goes on, it all comes back to this, and it always will. If you understand right now what that says, you'll be fine. If you get that x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon, x, so any score equals the grand mean plus treatment effect plus error, in this case, errors, individual differences, leftover stuff, residuals, sometimes you hear people call it that. If you understand that, you are fine. And you will be fine. Questions about this? Does this model make sense? I know it's Greek letters, so that's weird. You don't see that a lot. Right? Like, let's say fraternities here. I'm glad we don't, because I don't, anyway, I don't want to go on a rant about fraternities. <laughs> yes, I'd like to pay for friends. So, <laughs> that's sort of what I do. I, 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 I never understood it. Yeah? So, would the grand mean be like, the mean of each group or like all the groups? Everybody's score. Yeah, it could be mean of each group, the average of all the average for each group. It could be that. Or it could be just the average score of all people, which should actually be the same number, right? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is. See, these are parameters, and then we're going to pull this out and turn it into statistics. The real world actually does work like this. We're going to assume it does. And then we're going to estimate this, because we want to know if this is non-zero. Right, that's that's going to be our big question. Is there actually an effect of zero coffees, three coffees, or five coffees? Right? That's what we want to know. We know you're all different people. That's not interesting. Right? No, it isn't. It's not interesting scientifically. We know you're different people. Breakthrough. People are different from each other. Try talking that. It's not really that interesting, right? Everybody knows that. These people are different. Number five will blow you away. That would be the BuzzFeed. <laughs> so, does everybody understand this? Other questions? Cash has a very good question. Other questions? And all we want to know is, is that going to be bigger than zero? Okay. That's going to be our, that's our key question, the whole thing. Or smaller than zero. Just non-zero. Okay. Let's make an assumption. Holy shit, what's that? Oh, it's not that bad, actually. It's the null hypothesis. <laughs> We're going to assume the null hypothesis is true. That's going to scare you. Mu1 equals mu2 equals mu3 equals dot, dot, dot. Equals mu k. Mu sub k. We have k groups in any design. This time k equals 3. We could have 25 groups. I don't know how you'd get 25 groups, but you could. And if this is true, 
This is true. The variance is real. It's called homogeneity of variance. Sigma squared sub 1 equals sigma squared sub 2 equals sigma squared sub 3 equals dot 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 equals sigma squared sub k. The variances in each group are equal. In other words, HO is true. This is the null hypothesis assumption. We make this on it for every single statistical test we do. We assume the null. And then we find out if it's really unlikely. So this, this really isn't really is no different than t-test. Except we've got more groups this time. Okay? Again, questions. Does this assumption, are you okay with this assumption? Everything's going to fall out of this assumption. It's going to be very beautiful. And almost magical. I'm overselling it at this point. Okay. So you're good. You got no questions. Ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. Now, all this is again is the null hypothesis assumption. It's an assumption we always make. Now, more assumptions. We're going to say that scores are, ran or are randomly and normally distributed around the grand mean. Okay. Why is that assumption there? That's there because the calculus behind this that you don't ever have to know until you're maybe in your PhD years. I don't think I remember it even. But the calculus behind this makes some assumptions. And that's one of them. That's because central limit theorem has to work. We're going to, central limit theorem is going to come in. So we're going to say that. The scores are going to be normally and randomly distributed around the grand mean. We can violate the shit out of this assumption by the way. That's the nice thing. We can't touch that at all. Independent observations. Okay? Rhino actually score, it can't tell me anything about total score. They're totally independent observations. The nice thing about that is we can fix that with, uh, that can be taken care of with design. The, the, so that's not something we have to worry about really statistically. That's something we have to worry about design once. I like to think of that as the no cheating assumption. It isn't really about cheating, but the way I think about uh, that assumption is, if Jay's cheating off of Wendy, then Jay's score depends on Wendy's score, right? Because she, if she's copying off of her, problem is, what if Wendy's making mistakes? Doesn't matter if she's making mistakes or not. Either way, I'm not saying you're cheating. Don't, I don't think either of you guys, I don't expect anybody in this room to cheat. Uh, except, well, some of you. It's a joke. It's, I'm kidding. And I wasn't trying to look at anybody there. I'm trying to look out in the distance. I can't see. Is this not a blind joke you guys are making? Okay. It's offensive. So, but if I did, if it was the case that, that, that Jay's copied off Wendy, then no way Wendy score helps us understand Jay's score. We can't have that happen. And it isn't always it isn't going to be about cheating necessarily. I just like to think of it that way. It allows me to kind of picture it. I like to try to picture these things. Right? Okay. That's, that's important, and we can, take, we can take care of that with design. Um, this is important, tech, it's important for the math, but we can violate it like crazy. It's not a big deal, which is nice, because usually this isn't true. <laughs> so, but we can violate it, that's beautiful. How do we know we can violate it? People have done simulations and shown that the math still holds up with that violated. All sources of variation are in the model. We can't violate that. In other words, it's true that x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon. There isn't also a plus theta that we didn't te don't tell anybody about. That, that can't be in there. Okay? That all sources of variation are accounted for by the model. 
that's not a ridiculous assumption. But it is saying something like, how about, you know, what if it was the case that actually sitting at the end of the table was a problem? And we didn't have that in the model. That, that doesn't account for that. So again, we usually take care of those things with careful design. Questions so far? Again, this isn't ridiculous, right? Those are actually pretty... This one's mathy. These two are actually pretty reasonable assumptions, and they shouldn't scare you too much, I don't think. What, uh, Jay, sorry. What's the T stand for in the structural model? The tau? Treatment. Tau. Tau. It's the Greek letter tau. It looks like a pi. That's a stylized version there. It actually looks like a pi with only one thing in the bottom. Tau for treatment, uh, epsilon for error. Okay. Okay, now, now it gets a little math. But this isn't really that bad. Okay, sigma squared sub 1 is what that means is roughly equal to. That's what that kind of wavy equal sign means. Is equal to, you know, this is a population parameter, that's a statistic, and eh, one estimates the other. Okay. You accept that, right? And also for 2. That's also true, isn't it? Yeah. You know that standard deviation, population, uh, sorry, variance is equal to is it, sorry, sample variance is an estimate of population variance. That's basically what I've written out here. Okay. Now, so we you accept that that's true. Sure. The variance of individual scores. The variance of individual scores, that's, what, that's why it's sigma squared sub epsilon, should equal the variance of all the people. Right? We're assuming that all hypotheses is true. We assume tau equals zero, basically. So where's the only place variance can come from? Well, there's only one place it can come from. It can only come from individual scores varying from each other, right? Individual, sorry, individual differences. It's the only place it can come from. Because we're assuming the null is true. So then that means then that this should equal that. So sigma squared sub epsilon should equal s squared. S squared, this is really kind of weird. You've never seen S bar? What the hell is S bar? It's the average variance. What? You can average variances? The numbers don't know where they come from. You can do anything you want to. You torture the numbers enough, they will tell you anything you want to hear. Okay. S squared sub J divided by K. What the heck? J is just an index for each group. This is group one. Mm. This is group two. This is group three. This is the variance for group one. We calculate the variance for these three guys. That's the variance for group one. We add the variance for these three guys. And then we take the variance for these three guys. And I'm using guy in the gender non specific And we divide by three. We get the average variance. That's why it's called S bar squared. Wow. Ooh. 
which should equal just this, because all variance, we've already made the assumption that all variance equals sigma squared sub epsilon. If that's true, the average variance of each group should be exactly the same as the average variance due to individual differences. Questions so far? Conceptually, does this make some sense? That the average, if there is no treatment effect, and we've assumed the null hypothesis, if there is no treatment effect, then the average variance of each of the three groups, let's see, it's 5, 10, and 15. Okay? So let's say their variance is 5 for group 1, for group 2 it's 10, for group 3 it's 15. We add those all up, you're going to get 30, right? We're going to divide that by 3, which is 10. That should equal the variance due to individual differences, because that's the only thing where variance comes from, because we assume the null hypothesis is true. When the null hypothesis is true, right, x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon, that means that's Zero. So where's the only place variance comes from? Right here. Okay. Questions? Okay, if we, this is good. This is good. Yes, Jay, question. Um, can you explain the uh, S bar? Like, S squared bar sub J. Yes. Okay. J, there are, there are, uh, the J is just group, like, group number. Oh. Okay. So the average group variance, that's all that means, is this. That's all it is. So the S squared is just the variance of each individual one? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, the overall variance. But it should equal the average of those three, because there's no effective groups. Right? We're assuming. What's the K? Uh, K, no, not in this case. Oh. K is the number of groups. There are K groups in the study. There are K groups in the study. Question? You guys good? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's the first estimate of variance. We're going to make another estimate of variance. This one looks even better, doesn't it? I like that. The variance of x bar. What the hell? Well, they got a mean, they got a mean, they got a mean. Let's take the variance of those three means. We can do that. Oh, look at that. Variance of x bar. You know, that actually, by the central limit theorem, equals sigma squared over n, doesn't it? That's the thing. We know that. That's the simple limit here. There are reasons I want you to memorize certain things. I don't know why I put my hands around my mouth when I say It's the variance of the means. That's what that says. I'm just going to calculate it this time. That's the variance s squared sub x bar. That's their mean. There mean and there mean the variance of those three numbers. Again, variance of means? Well, yeah, again, the numbers don't know where they come from. I know it sounds weird, but you can do it. 
and all variance in this, we've assumed, is just due to the error. So we can just put the epsilon, sigma squared sub epsilon over here. And now what I'm going to do is to do the magic of cross-multiplying s squared sub x bar times n equals sigma squared sub epsilon. I, I just cross-multiplied. It's not magic. You can do that. You learned that a long time ago. All I'm doing is I'm isolating sigma squared sub epsilon by cross-multiplying. It's nothing fancy. Okay? That's all I've done now. What's the S? It's S minus, right? Or negative S. Which one? This one? Yeah. S squared sub X bar. That's a bar. It's the variance of the three group means. So if I was, yeah, How would I do that? Sure. Uh, let's say their mean is, uh, okay, well, I think this all works. So the means, uh, okay, these guys have a mean score of, uh, of zero. I'm doing this in my head as I go along so to make this work, so let's hope this works. Of zero, their mean is 10, and their mean is 20, okay? That's their average score of these three guys, average score of these, average score of these three guys is zero. Average score of these three guys is 10. So Average score of these three guys is 20. Okay. So we got three means. X bar sub 1 equals 0. X bar sub 2 equals 10. X bar sub 3 equals 20. Okay. What's the mean of those three, three numbers? You don't have to calculate it, guys. What's the mean of it? Don't get out your calculators. Look at those three numbers. What's the mean? It's 10. Thank you. Good. More than one of you said 10 out loud. It makes me pleased. Okay, so what means the overall, we call that the grand mean, equals 10. So we're going to calculate the variance, x minus x bar. Oh, we're doing the variance of means. By the way, that's what's weird, right? That 0 and that 10 and that 20 are actually made up of three scores each. But again, the numbers don't know that. They don't care. So really, it's actually x bar sub j. What's that? K groups. I know it's the yeah, n minus 1. Well, k minus 1. So we got, let's see, 0 minus 10 squared plus 10 minus 10 squared plus 20. Minus 10 squared all over 2, which equals 200 over 2, which equals, I screwed this up. I, was, I wasn't thinking it was squared units, which makes it 100. No, it's, it's actually okay. That's okay. We're gonna, yeah, they should be. They're not. Standard deviation equals 10. Damn it. Not the variance. Idiot. <coughs> Why did I do that? I can't believe I made that mistake. And it doesn't really matter. 
This is going to allow. This will also be useful. If it was the other way, it'd be horrible. If this was smaller than the other one, then we've there's a black hole and world collapses. But this at least actually can this this can be useful. Okay. So that's what we've done basically is we calculated that. But I know yeah they're different. That's weird. They shouldn't be different, but they are. So what we now have is two estimates of sigma squared sub epsilon, two estimates of error variance. We have this thing, which is the average variance. Oh, you know what that is? This is mean square treatment. You guys get to analysis of variance in, in 2026? Yes or no? Yeah. yeah. A little bit, right? But Dwayne didn't go way into it, did he? No, he's not supposed to. That's fine. He's not supposed to. That's not what that course is about. But he did talk about it in sort of broad strokes, right? That's good. I had case hmm? I had case And what did you talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, but in pretty broad strokes kind of thing. We did do like some. Did some calculations? Yeah. Good, good. That's fine. So you've heard the term ringing squared treatment before. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what that is. And that's mean squared error. That's where they come from. Our, in our case, our mean squared treatment is 100. And our mean squared error was only 10. Wow. Cool. They're both supposed to be equal. And they should both equal sigma squared sub epsilon. They should. If the null hypothesis is true, these should be equal and that should be equal to this because they're this. They're both that. We have two separate estimates of error variance. There's a reason this is all called analysis of variance because we're looking at where variance comes from. You know when you were little and you asked your parents, Mommy, Daddy, where does variance come from? And they said, we'll sit you down and we'll, we'll talk about it when you're older. Um, so if HO is true, the expected value of mean squared error is sigma squared sub epsilon. And the, if HO is true, the expected value of mean squared treatment is sigma squared sub epsilon. In other words, they should be equal. If HO is true, those two things should be equal. HO is true, those two things should be equal. If the means aren't different, that's that's how we got there. That's why this works. HO is not true. The expected value of mean square equals still equals that. That's nice. Now, why is that case? Because we calculate mean square error by getting the average variance of each group. The average variance of each group. Does that take group? If there are even if there are group differences. We're not. We're ignoring it because we have the variance of you three guys. We have the variance of you three guys, and the variance of you three guys. We're not doing variance between, say, uh, Mickey and Tom. We're doing it within each group. The variance between you three guys. Okay. So this this can also sometimes be called between groups uh, and within groups. Mean square treatment is between mean square errors within. Oh, look here, look, look who showed up. It's 
Sigma squared is a tau. It's our treatment effect. It's our treatment effect. The expected value of mean square error is less than the expected value of mean square treatment. Look at that. Why? Tell me why. It's going to make a reference to a song that none of you have ever heard, so I decided to guess it. I don't know why I didn't say that out loud. Why is the expected value of mean square treatment greater than the expected value of mean square error? Because you're adding something? Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> why exactly? These are the same. Why is this? What, what, can't this be negative? Can't n times sigma squared sub tau be negative? Not if you're squaring it exactly. It's a squared quantity. It must be greater. What does it mean? What do you think it means if actually mean square treatment is less than mean square error? Because it can happen when you calculate stuff. It actually can happen. What do you think that means? When could, why do you think that such a thing could happen? I, I'm, I'm reaching here. I'm reaching. I'm expecting you necessarily to know this, but one or two of you might get it. Go on a limb. Take a chance. The question is the following. <laughs> what would it mean if mean squared treatment is actually less than mean squared error? When you calculate it. What could that mean? Don't worry about your notes. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing to see in there. Well, there is actually, sort of. But don't worry about the calculation part. Tom, please. Sigma sub tau is the root of a negative number? Yeah, how's that possible? I don't know. Yeah, it couldn't be. <laughs> yeah, see, you're, th you're thinking too, too literally, too mathematically. You think this could be an imaginary number, and that's, yeah, it can't be. It's a neat, neat answer, but it, it can't, that can't be true. How could that happen? Well, that would mean, wouldn't it mean if this was less than this? Wouldn't it mean that this just simply wasn't true? Would mean that sigma squared sub epsilon plus <coughs> n times sigma squared sub tau didn't equal mean squared treatment, but it, it equaled something else. The only way that could happen is if we violated an assumption. So let's say if we went through an assumption, we violated, I don't know, how about independence of observations, how much homogeneity of variance, could be any of those. When you get a mean squared treatment that's less than your mean squared error, you should look at it and go, oh, that's bad. Now, if it's just a little bit less, it's no big deal. If it's like an order of magnitude less, so like a tenth of the size or something, you should go, that's not good. That can't be true. Either I made a mistake with the math, and of course, if you are SPSS, then you don't make mistakes with the arithmetic. So... Makes you think of what an assumption is Okay. And it's probably going to be independence of observations or homogeneity variance. Okay. Now, so what happens? If we divide mean squared treatment by mean squared error, which is exactly the opposite of what I have written here, I should say mean squared treatment divided by mean squared error, um, we would have some estimate of how much extra variation mean squared treatment is measuring. Again, that's the typo, well, it's a mistake. You should say mean squared treatment divided by mean squared error. Not mean squared error, not by mean squared treatment. <coughs> I looked over the notes last night and this morning, making sure it was all fine. It's not, mistake. 
we divide mean squared treatment by mean squared error, which is not what it says here. Yes, I'm making references to a movie that's 10 years old. Um, my God, you were children when Napoleon Dynamite came out. That's amazing to me. You were little children. You were like in elementary school when that movie came out. Wow. I was like, I wasn't even 40. Christ, okay. Um, still, that movie holds up. It's still funny. Going back and watching it again, it's, you know, because it's timeless, right? There's that whole, you don't know what year it is because they're listening to 80s music with 70s clothes. and It's just great. It's funny as hell. Anyway, you see what I'm saying here? If we divide mean square treatment by mean square, we have some estimate of how much extra variation mean square treatment is, 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 is uh, measuring. And that's what we're trying to do. In other words, we have tau. <clears throat> that's what we do in analysis of variance that's what we do we divide mean squared treatment by mean squared error and we're going to get an estimate of sigma squared sub tau and I'm just going to call it tau this isn't a math class. It's not, it technically isn't just tau. It's, sigma, it's actually n times sigma squared sub tau. I don't give a shit. I don't care. What I'm saying here is that I'm just going to call it tau because for our purposes, it's measuring the size of the treatment effect. And that's, this is a tool for us. This isn't, we aren't statisticians. We're psychologists that use this because we have to. We have to do something. We can't just say, oh, those look different. Because then we'd be in the humanities. <laughs> Which I have nothing against, by the way. I like a lot of those disciplines. A minor history. I don't actually have a minor history. I never told the registrar at Western that I had all these credits in history. Had I done that, I'd have a minor history. But I don't even have my diploma anymore for my BA or my master's. I left them on my front porch in Toronto when we moved. My PhD at home, that's fine. <laughs> it's still of that. But I want to get it back, right? So I download the diploma replacement form. Okay? For Western, it was cheap. It was like 20 bucks. It's like, oh, cool, 20 bucks. And I even I remember my student number and the whole thing, no problem. For U of T, for my master's, which, I mean, was kind of like getting, it's kind of like getting in a grade eight. Didn't really feel like anything. It was like I went back to the lab the next day. It's like 85 bucks. I'm not paying him 85 bucks. Anyway. I've given enough of my life to the University of Toronto. Why did that degree be cool to have, though? I mean, I have to degree. Anyway, I'll start talking about this. The point is, this is how analysis works. <laughs> it's kind of neat. So F, the F ratio, named after Fisher, the guy who discovered this and invented this, it's kind of cool. You gotta be pretty smart to just invent things like this from whole cloth. But it's so intuitive when you think about it. When you just extra variation. It actually makes a great deal of sense. So it's F for Fisher. He, he didn't call it the F test. He called it analysis of variance. They didn't call it the F distribution. Mean squared trick divided by mean squared error. That's all it is. 
What's the expected value of F given HO is true? If HO is true, no hypothesis what's the expected value of F? Think about it. See, but at least you said something. <laughs> and you were thinking. You were thinking correctly, but you were thinking. What else would that be since that's something right thing? Okay. Think about it. Mean squared treatment is treatment effect plus error effect. Mean squared error is error effect. I know you think you're thinking it's all the treatment. Yeah, you forgot over here. Yeah, so that's a common mistake. Now look at it. HO is true. What does this quantity equal? If HO is true. If HO is true, what is epsilon over epsilon? Sir. Yes, sir. Why? Because HO is true. Why? Because HO is true. Why? Because HO is true. Why? Because tau is zero, so it's epsilon over epsilon. Epsilon over epsilon is one. 6 divided by 6 is 1. Chair divided by chair is 1. Think about it by itself is 1. A George divided by himself cannot stand. So, sorry for the reference. If you've got the kind of character, it's for me. Let's expect the value of that if HA is true. That's a little harder. That's We can't say anything else. Can't be great. It's got to just be greater than 1. Because this, this must be non-zero, then this is HA true, and it can't be a negative number. Now, look at that again. Remember I said, could this be negative? It shouldn't ever be. Theoretically, it can't be, but it does happen, and it happens because we violate an assumption. Then we do something to violate an assumption. You're saying, wait a second, Dave. You just said, what if HA is true? And you said we're assuming that HO is always true. Yeah, well, you know what? We violate one assumption. We hope to violate one assumption, one only. The null hypothesis is true. We hope all the other assumptions aren't violated. And if the null hypothesis assumption is violated, we get a, we get a, we get a significant F value. If HO is true, mean squared treatment divided by mean squared error, I did it right that time, will be distributed as F with two degrees of freedom. Degrees of freedom for treatment and degrees of freedom for error. So we have two sets of degrees of freedom. Well, what? How, how could that be? Well, think about it. For the top variance, we've made an estimate. And for the bottom variance, we've made an estimate. So we have two, the top the numerator denominator, right? The fraction. We we make two estimates of variance. We have to get two sets of degrees free. Okay. Yep. So if H A is true, then T could be zero. Is that why? It would be non-zero. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's why we created one. Yeah. There's there's variance. That means because tau is measuring vari uh, group variance. And there are now is group variance agents. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You guys are doing great.
So if it's not distributed this way, it's distributed some other way. In other words, if we get a really big F, if that F is really unlikely, if we get a really low probability, we say, oh, it's not that. That must mean that this is true. And we can publish things and get promoted and tenured and, you know, maybe eventually get sabbatical and retire someday. I'm getting ahead of myself a little. I can't wait for my sabbat. I just, I think about it every day. I literally think about it every day. I think about things like I drop John at school and I think, I've got to go to work, not next year. <laughs> I'm going to go home and start drinking. No, I, maybe some days. I'm not, I'm not, never before nine, I have a rule. Literally, I have a rule. I never drink alcohol before nine o'clock in the evening. Because I, I have a drinking problem. And it's a way to control it. Uh, that was a joke. Before nine a.m., you thought? I violate that, that assumption uh, when camping. When camping, I drink coffee, and then as soon as breakfast is over, I just switch over to beer. Right? We went, last year, we stopped on the way down to, when Maddie wanted to go to visit Western, and we were visiting my family one, we stopped to camp one night, and uh, I brought a case of beer with us, 24 beers, and in the morning, Isabel was looking and she said, There's, how many beers did we bring? I said, 24. She said, but there are only three left. <laughs> I said, well, you had a couple, and Maddie had a couple. She said, so if that's four, how many did you, I said, I had 17 beers yesterday. <laughs> but I drink it like water. It's, I know it's it's... You know, unlike the water, you never know it at a, at a provincial park. The beer, I know it's that. That's good. <laughs> Soon I'll be able to blame the boy as well. I hope. Yes, beer sanitary. Exactly. Why do you think the Romans always drank wine and not water? Because the water made them sick. The wine was safe. Of course, it was all made with water that ran through lead pipes, and eventually they all went insane. But anyway. We're going to partition, take apart the sums of squares and degrees of freedom. We're going to find out where the degrees of freedom are. Sums of squares are, you know why they're called sums of squares? Because they're sums of squares. You add up squared numbers, hence the name. Sum of squares total. What's sum of squares total? Well, that's going to be uh, each score minus the grand mean squared. Anyway, we're going to add them up. Equals sum of squares treatment. This mean minus the grand mean plus this mean minus the grand mean plus this group's mean minus the grand mean. We're squaring those four. And then sum of squares error. That's the leftover stuff, the individual difference. Okay, so your score minus the, your group mean plus your score minus your group mean, then we're squaring these, plus your score minus group mean. Plus your score minus the group mean, plus your score minus the group, your group mean, plus your score minus your group mean. We're squaring them all again, remember? Then we go over here, and there's a pattern built, and you know what to say it again. Okay? Now there's a certain number of degrees of freedom. The total number of degrees of freedom for this whole design, this whole research design we've developed here, testing something to do with coffee. I don't know what it is, but at least Jay gave us an independent variable. Something you do with coffee has how many degrees of freedom? Well, it's going to have some scores total. It's just a big variance, right? So it's going to have n. We're going to call it big n. I know that's usually used for population. Now you think it's going to be used for a sample and else variance. 
Oh. Big N minus 1. Our case is going to be, let's see, we got 9 minus 1. Let's see, just doing that. How do I? Oh, that's 8. I said we're going to take your group mean minus the grand mean plus your group mean minus the grand square mean minus the grand mean, your group mean minus the grand mean. So that's K. Remember there's K groups. And we had the grand mean in there, so we had one thing we fixed, minus one. Let's see, in our case, we got one, two, three groups, minus one, so we're going to carry two. But do you think that we're going to carry anything? Three minus one is two. <laughs> Okay, then for the final one, for the degrees of freedom for error, that's individual differences. Remember, it was each person in their group minus their group mean squared. And then we get it for each group. So how many people in each group? Well, we're going to say it's little n. How many degrees of freedom do we have within each group? Because, well, we've, we've subtracted, we fixed one thing, their, their group mean. How many groups do we have again? Yeah, or K. So K times N minus 1, which is NK minus K, which is going to equal, let's see, N was 3, and K was 3. So that's 9 minus 3 is 6. Oh, look at that. 6 and 2 is 8. The partition's perfect. We've used all the need. <clears throat> so I'll show you what this looks like. I, I now I just said this. Now I'll show you what it looks like in, in sort of mathematically. It looks like that. There's the sums of scores. I'm never going to make you do this. Because we add up within you, we sum you, and we you sum within your group, and we sum within your group. Then we add those together. That's what we're just summing twice, right? Don't worry, later on in the course you'll see four and five of those. <laughs> but all, all, all that ever says is we're doing within this group. So that's summing once, summing once, summing once, then take them all and sum them together. That's all that means. I would never make you do this. Why would I make you do this? No one does these by hand. I want you to be able to just think about this and understand it on an intuitive level. This is going to have n minus 1 degrees of freedom, that's sum of squares total. This is going to have k minus 1 degrees of freedom, that's sum of squares treatment or sum of squares between groups, you might hear it called. And this is going to have big N minus k. Wait a second, Dave, you said it was little n times k minus k. Well, little n times k equals big N. Right? Little n is the number of subjects within each group times the number of groups. Well, that sounds like the same thing. That's why it's big N minus K. Okay. Nobody ever is, I, I, would, I would never make you calculate this by hand. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Now, I will tell you something that you can do uh, analysis of variance like this. You can do it with, if you set it up in um, SPSS, 
The way you'd set that up is you would have uh, a group, a variable called group, and you would have a variable called uh, dependent variable called dv. And you'd have like group one, group one, group one, group two, group two, group two, group three, group three, group three, and then you'd have the scores for each person. Okay? And then, so if you want to try this with analysis of variant, with SPSS, then you use the ANOVA uh, procedure, the, the, the drop down, like you selected from the menu. And what you're going to do is say that the response variable is dependent variable and the explanatory variable is group. I think that's what's I mean, I know that's a set of the data set. I think they're called response and explanatory. I don't think they're called independent and dependent. Pretty easy. You could also do it with, if you want to do it with Excel or Google Docs, you set up a spreadsheet. You do this a little bit differently. You set up a spreadsheet that has group one scores in one column, group two scores in another column, group three scores in another column. You select the three columns, and then you, like, you go down to a a cell, and you type in equals ANOVA. That's how easy this is. Open bracket, and then select them all, and it'll know what's, what's going on. Close bracket, and it'll hit it, and then it'll give you the p value. This is easy to do. There's tutorials all over the web on how to do this. In fact, there are online calculators to do analysis of variance where you just put the numbers in, and it spits them out for you. So no one does these things by hand anymore. And the only reason that Dwayne or Casey would have had you do it by hand last year a couple of times is because just to get you used to the idea of how it works. Right? No one does say, you know, with three numbers, like with nine numbers, I actually might do it by hand because it's so quick. It would take me longer to put the numbers in than it would take me to pull up that calculator app on my phone and just put the number and do it. But that's the only time we'll have any bigger than that probably and start putting it into a spreadsheet. get at the end of this is what's called an analysis of variance summary table or an ANOVA summary table. We have different columns. It used to be you put this in your paper. They don't do that anymore. I don't know why it's gone because it's really too bad because you used to get the whole thing in a table. Table one, analysis of variance summary table. It's beautiful. Now it's all in the text and it annoys the shit out of me. I sound like such an old man, but I think they even got rid of that before I started undergrad. So you read old papers and they have these things and it's nice. Source variation between groups within groups total. Treatment, error, total. Uh, what else could this be? Uh, whatever the independent could be A. Remember our thing was A? A1, A2, A3? A, residual. Something's called residual instead of error. Something's called within groups. Sometimes called individual differences. It's all the same thing. Degrees of freedom. K minus 1. N minus K. Big N minus K. Big N minus 1. This is sum of scores between groups divided by K minus 1. This is sum of scores within groups divided by big N minus K. And this is, and this is the F. This is where the magic happens. Mean squared between group divided by mean squared within group. We then look up that number. When we calculate this, we look up that number in an F table. And it's going to have, in our case, what is it? Yeah, 2 and 6 degrees of freedom. Anybody get their text on There should There should be a... Uh, at the back, an F table. And, uh, I think it's called, maybe called just Appendix F, or maybe called an L scenario table. It's probably called Appendix F, though. Yeah. 
I don't know. And it's kind of critical value. Yeah, it's critical value. See? Okay. Cassidy, what's it say for, can, can you look at the table? It's going to have an alpha level of 0.05, because we always use. Okay. And what are the critical, what's the critical value for 2 and 6 degrees of freedom? So 2 for the numerator, 6 for the denominator. 5.14. So if we got a number, that's our critical value. So F critical at 2 and 6 degrees of freedom equals 5.14. If our number that we got was bigger than 5.14, we would reject the null hypothesis. And we would say that one of these groups was not like the other. <laughs> But that's all we'd say. We can't say which group was different from the other. And now it's time to play our game. <laughs> so we, we actually, the critical with the null is, the null is, it's this, mu1 equals mu2 equals mu3. In our case, we have three groups. The alternative is, that isn't true. It's two of the groups are different. We don't know which two. We literally don't know which two groups are different. We just know that two of the groups are different. At least, it could be all three are different. It could be one's different from three, or two's different from three, or two's different from one. It could be one and two are different from three. We don't know. That's not the point of this. It's not to tell us that which group is different. We'll find out how to do that next time. Spoiler alert. But the important thing to know here is that what this is saying is that, so that's the null. All it says is, Two of these groups are different. And if this was the control group with zero cups of coffee, and then we took a look at a graph, this is a this kind of thing. You look at a graph like a histogram or something. You see these two groups are much higher than this one? You probably go, yeah. It's probably that having caffeine affected the uh, so our, our, our kind of variable was. Perhaps uh, after class, you guys can all have a running race. Um, having any caffeine at all affected their sprinting speed. Well, I have it. I couldn't think of anything. So it's the number that's less than 5.14? The groups are not different. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's the critical value. And you're saying, wait a second, if you said if HO was true, it's going to equal 1. Yeah. But we want to be like 95% sure. The 0.05 thing, right? 0.05. So that's basically how you would do this. That's how you would interpret Analysis of variance. It doesn't tell you which, which groups are different. It just tells you that the groups are different somehow. But you don't know how. And that's okay. Because there are ways to deal with that. Sometimes they're designed things. Like I said, if you took a look at this and said we've got a control group and two experimental groups and they both look way bigger than this, we just stop and go, ah, it's fine. That's what we expect. Nothing wrong with that. But ANOVA is to find a pattern in your data that is different from them all being the same. It's not going to tell you about which groups are different. But there's a way to do it. Do you have any questions about this? Uh, Spence first, because he hasn't asked as many as Jack. Um, I just can't remember. What does the MS stand for? What does the what stand for? The MS. Means where? Means where? Yeah. Jack. Um, can you explain the uh, transition from nk minus k to n minus. Oh, I can actually prove it. Okay. This is fun. I don't get to, I don't get to do a uh, simple algebra. Right now. 
yes, there's something wrong with me, this is fine. Okay, little n minus 1 times k. So let's expand that. It's going to equal kn minus k. Right? And I'm saying that this equals uh, big N minus k. Right? So big N minus k. What does k times n equal? Think about it. It's the number of groups times the number of observations in each group. Isn't that the total number of subjects? Right? <laughs> so it's just another way to write it. It's, it's, it's one of these things where I kind of like thinking of it this way, of little n minus 1 times k, because it reminds me that it's the your variance and your variance, and your variance, it just reminds me of that, because it's got multiply times k. But frankly, you never see it done that way in a textbook. It's always big N minus k, and that's why I have that there, too. You know, uh, But I, I actually prefer it the other way. But they're, they're, they're equivalent. It doesn't matter what, how, you, how you do it. <laughs> so what would the actual numbers be like for the numbers? For our case? Sure. Well, for our case, well, in our case, k times n, uh, k was 3 times 3 is 9 minus 3 is 6, or we would have big N, which is 9 minus 3, which equals 6, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? You're fine. 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 So what's the mean square between groups? How do you mean, what is it like? What goes into that? Oh, that, between groups, that is, so sum of squares between groups, all sum of squares between groups is, is your group mean, I think we said it was zero, yeah. minus 10, in that case, squared, because that's the grand mean, and then their group mean, which is 10, minus 10, so zero. squared, plus their group mean, which is 20, minus 10 squared. <laughs> So in our case, it's 200. And then we're going to divide by, where are we, between groups? Two, that's 100. Yeah, so it's just your group mean, your group mean, your group mean minus the grand mean squared. Their group mean minus the grand mean squared. Their group mean minus the grand mean squared. That's sum of squares between groups. Then we divide by, okay, minus one. Isn't that variance? Yeah. Okay. That's why it's called analysis of variance. Oh. Yeah. It's, like, it's nice to cut that. That's good. They're just variance estimates. It's all just variance estimates. It's weird that we can just use variance estimates to find out if means are different. It's always good. It's sort of. Sum of squares is the same thing as same variance. Sum of squares is the top of the variance. Yeah, yeah, mean square is the same as variance. Mean squares are variance it's estimates. Not divided by. Exactly. Mean squares are simply variance estimates. That's all they are. That's all they are. Other questions. I know you'll have other questions later, and all that's fine. Don't worry. Oh, yes, sir. Between groups is like some squares, like for there's and then R's and then there's. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, that didn't make a lot of sense. No, but I know exactly what you meant. Okay. And so, what would 
Would Ingram speak? Yeah. Okay. Maybe stupid question. No, don't say that. And if it was a stupid question, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make you feel like it was. So, but it isn't. It's a perfectly fine question. Okay. So some of the squares within groups. These guys have a group mean. Uh, there's no zero, right? Yeah. Let's pretend we have scores of uh, five and zero and minus five. Yeah. Okay? So that's under zero. Five minus zero squared. Zero minus zero squared. Negative five minus five, sorry, minus zero squared. So that's what? 25, that's 50. Now yours was 10, right? Yes. So let's make yours, uh, your scores, uh, let's see, actually your scores going to be, let's make it, let's make it, be high and low end. High. High, okay. <laughs> so yours is going to be 20, okay. and yours is going to be 10, and yours will be 0. <laughs> so 20 um, minus 10 squared. 10 minus 10 squared. 0 minus 10 squared. Oh, that's 200, right? This is 100 plus 100 squared. 200. So now we have 200. And we've got 50. And now, let's not do any more arithmetic in Dave's head. <laughs> and let's say there's a 75. So we had 250 and 75. So we had 250, 75, 325. <laughs> 375 would be sum of squares between groups. Sorry, within groups. Okay? That's all that this is calculating. It's just, we're getting squared, but it's, it's a sum of squares within groups, not between. Would you do all the groups then, or do you do yep. each individual? You do all the groups. Yep. And you add them up. That's, that's why you have those, Jay asked why there are two summation signs. I did the sum of squares for each one, then I added them all up. That's why there are two summation signs. These are good questions you're asking. <clears throat> Anything else? Tom? I'm not quite sure why the degrees are fitted for within groups for uh, it's, n minus, it's n minus k. Okay. Why it's n minus k? Yeah. Because think of it this way, just like I said before. Within each group there are n observations, little n. Oh, okay, sorry, it's that. So it just equals yeah. that. Yeah, that's all it is. That's why I don't like that either. I like this because that's intuitive to me. N minus 1 times K is way more intuitive to me than big N minus K, even though this simplifies to this. I get that. Right? All right. Other questions? I think you guys are going to be okay. I know your brains are full. We'll stop now. Thanks, guys.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.